Lions fans. This is the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where the Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, now, two guys who sip a beer faster than Aaron Rodgers chugs one. Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast. This is episode 430. This is the Lions recalibrating the defense. This is the official Detroit Lions podcast for Reddit. You just don't know which part. I'm your host, Chris, and with me is my good friend and co-host, Jeff, the Riz Risen. How are you doing, brother? Chris, it's been so long since we last talked. I've missed you, buddy. Every, it's, been, <laughs> it's, been, it's been 24 hours, man. <laughs> it has. It's been ages. I don't know what happened to us, but here we are. Here we are. Oh, wait. It's all good. All good. Wait. It was huge, wasn't it? It, it it was a huge day yesterday. That's for sure. <laughs> it was great. I was it was funny to turn the tables. We'll talk about it in a little bit. That'll be fun. Yeah, we will. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. As it is, we've got the quick review of the the Seahawks game. You might have noticed that the Lions did play the Seahawks, but you may not want to remember that one. Uh, we also have fixing the D. And we're talking about the defense. There's some things that need to be done there. Recalibration of expectations. We're going to talk about injury returns. We've got Jerry Jacobs coming back and Josh Paschal, as well as a look ahead to the New England Patriots and everybody's favorite former coach. That and a whole lot more. we got a great show lined up. Riz, are you ready to go, my man? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. On to New England, I guess, right? That's what they say. <laughs> um, all right, let's get into it. We got a lot to talk about. First and foremost, we were we were on the radio yesterday. There's even people in the in the chat saying, hey, I heard this Jeff guy on the radio. Hey, yeah, how about that? Yeah, so uh, uh, Bill Simonson, you know him better as huge, uh, graciously allowed me to take over the show for a day, and I did. And uh, I had friends on, and one of those friends was Chris. I have his friend. And it was it was great. We did the 5 o'clock hour together, the two segments. Uh, I, I led you through the incredibly long break. It was like six and a half minutes because I broke a minute and a half too early. That's my bad. Um, being a radio amateur, uh, it was only the second time I'd ever been in the hosting chair. Uh, it was a lot of fun, though. And uh, it was it was different because it, if, if you know the show, you know, that Chris tends to bring up the topics and set things up. And we had to reverse that yesterday. And it was a little awkward. It was awkward for me. It's probably awkward for you, Chris. It was, it was, and I'm sorry. sure it was awkward for listeners who like know us. <laughs> but uh, people who don't know like what we do, like they, they seem to really enjoy it. So yeah. I was pretty happy with how that went. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it, it went well. I was, I was, it was a little different than what I'm used to. Um, back when I worked in radio in Detroit, I remember there was somebody had went back when people wrote letters before email, uh, somebody had wrote and talked about, uh, hosts on the morning show. And one was the control guy and one was the funny guy. Right. And it's basically like play by right. play in color. <laughs> and, uh, like you said, usually I'm the control guy and you're the, the, the funny guy. And then the roles were flipped and it was kind of, it was just weird to play that role. I, I did. I mean, there was a couple times I wanted to hit drops while I was sitting here, and I was like, "No, be a good boy, be a good boy." <laughs> no, 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 no. He's <laughs> not stay here, right? <laughs> I so. want to be back in there again sometime, and uh, it, it was very well received. I I have to thank Huge for for giving me the opportunity yeah. to do that. 
it was great of him to do it. Um, he, he went up golfing because um, it was a nice day. He took today off, and, and Eric Zane sat in today, and uh, I listened to the Zane show for a little bit. He did a good job, too. Yeah. So, uh, I, look, I know, that, I know there's a lot of people that don't like huge, and I, I will admit I don't listen all the time, but I have a great deal of respect for what he does and how he does it. The man is really, really good at what he does. It might not be what you like, but he's damn good at it, and I've learned a lot from him, and I uh, – I've come to appreciate him, and uh, he gives me opportunities to 100%. to yap about the Lions, and I, I enjoy that very much. I've had a few people <laughs> poke me about follows on Twitter, and it's the same thing. Like, I don't follow people necessarily. I, I follow people that are good at what they do or have something interesting in, in what they do or do something or have something that they're either really good at or an edge that's interesting, something about them. And and I, I'm, a, I'm a student of people, but people like try to read so much into that stuff. It's it's crazy. Huge is a guy. I, I have come to appreciate him a lot. He's really become a good friend of the show. And I mean, you've done a great job building a relationship with him and doing stuff there. And, and look, just like us. You know, I, I, there was a guy on, on, on Twitter who said, well, you know, Chris is really good in that role. I'm, it's not his sophomoric humor that he does in the show. That's right. It's not. It's a different role. It's a different, role. It's a different it, thing. It's different. We, this is a different show. This yeah, is what we do. Yeah, this is what we do. And this is, <laughs> this is I, get to, I just get to be me. I can do what I want, right? And, and, and I don't have to do something else. I have to do something else all day at workout all day. I'm not going to do something for somebody else here. I don't expect Riz to do it. And that's why we have, you know, Scott and Ash and Salmon, different voices, different people with different opinions. And, and we don't agree agree all the time but that's what we like we we appreciate that we don't want to create a cult of personality because that's that that cheats you people out of out of what you want so there you go that's that it was a lot of fun and i appreciate you having me on and i appreciate huge for letting you have me on and the whole thing it was great Riz. it was fun um, and we will do it again sometime fairly soon <laughs> <laughs> no, just all, right. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah 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 uh october 14th and 15th was supposed to be the saint jude we talked about that a little bit it is delayed it's not postponed we talked about that i'm out of dodge next week there's not even gonna be a podcast next week we're gonna put some videos up but i am literally buried up to my knees in real life work stuff and they pay the bills you guys don't sorry uh but i gotta do that stuff so i'm out of town i'm away from all my stuff and i've got just like all days I'm showing up on the first day. I'll get to my hotel at 3 a.m. and I have meetings the next morning at, at 8 a.m. It's just, it's going to be a oh, long week. That's rough, man. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we're not doing a show, and that's, that's the reason we couldn't do the, the post game or the St. Jude show. We have a tentative date at the beginning of December. December, the beginning of December, we have a tentative date. We're going to lock that in and let you know. But we will get this St. Jude stuff pushed over $100,000 total this year, uh, total raised for them, and uh, we'll get there. So there we go. All right. Um, the last thing I want to do, I, I, I wreck Amani Orowarie's name all the time. And I, I, I can't pronounce it. As we were getting started, I saw our latest subscriber, and I have to do it. I apologize for what I'm about to do here, my friend, but I have to try. So I want to thank our latest subscriber, Balakrishnan Subramanyam. Subramanyam, I think. I think. Oh, I can't, I see it's, it's scrolling right over here, and I can't see it. So I'm. Thanks for subscribing, man. Right. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm fairly good at these names. Let me see that one. Oh, I can't see it now. Thank you, Balakrishnan Subramanian. Subramanyam. Yeah, yeah. Subramanyam. I can't do the thing. Oh, well. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate Thank you for subscribing. That's cool. And thanks for giving me an opportunity to make up some sounds along the way. All right, let's talk about the Seahawks game. Let's get right into this now. Um, First and foremost, credit to John John. I got to give him a shout out. He wanted us to talk about Goff a little bit on on the Twitter. Jared Goff with his Seahawks performance turns out the FedEx Player of the Week 
air player, right? Airmail. FedEx air player of the week. Yes. Jared Goff. And we talked about it in the, in the post game a little bit, you know, Jared Goff last year was just the armpit of the lions and the lions fans treated him that way. He's gone. We need Malik Willis. We need, you know, whoever else the people were on about, you know, uh, drafting and even Malik could be a project, whatever. Jared Goff is the guy right now. He's he's doing it, and Jared Goff has been performing at a, at a level that really has been exceeding expectations. has has just been knocking it out of the park, and I have to give him a lot of credit. The other side of it that I want to talk about too is I underestimated Jared's his strength, his constitution, his strength of character. Um, he is a tough sob. He's just a different approach to it. Um, he he doesn't come in rah rah yelling right. I mean Stafford, you he would he you could see him bristle. You don't see that with Jared, but you've seen him take control of the the room, the interview room at the podium. Uh, people say, "No, wait, let me finish." And and but it's not it's not dismissive, it's not rude, but he takes control. Um, I'm really impressed with Jared Goff, and I wish I'd have known more about him than I did because I would have been a hell of a lot more ex on board and, and had higher expectations for what he did this year. Had I had, had I uh, known kind of his, his, his makeup better. That being said, I wasn't out on golf. I wasn't out. And I, I want to be really clear about that. I thought golf was, was very potentially the guy and he stepped up and, and really put it together this year. He's played great so far. I mean, he earned the award this week. It is, it is technically fan voting. So, uh, I mean, the fans chose him. Yeah. He, he threw for the most yards and threw for four touchdowns. Uh, the other two guys who were up, one of them being Geno Smith, who we saw, unfortunately, do that to the Lions defense. The other one was Justin Herbert. They only threw two touchdowns. So, he earned it. He played great. Yes, he had a pick six. Yes, he had another one that probably should have been a pick six. He scored 45 points. I'm not blaming the quarterback for that. Yeah, no, <laughs> you know? no, no. And that's just not. <laughs> and that's one of the things after the game that we heard from from uh, Dan Campbell. And people are saying he's blaming Jeff or Jared Goff for the game. He wasn't blaming him for losing the game. He did say we got to score more points. And he did say that Jared made a mistake. Because why? Because you always want to be better. But you also... If you're a good leader, you don't publicly kick people when they're down. You, if you're going to berate somebody, if if you're somebody's boss, or say say your boss shows up in the in the in the office and starts screaming at the guy next to you for for screwing up, is that really going to make you or that person more motivated to do a good job? I mean, what's your sense going to be? It's always private. You always do those things private. He wasn't blaming the offense. He just found something else to talk about to redirect the you know the shiny object over here. Look at this, and everyone's uh, and then. And we moved on, right? I, I don't blame him for not wanting to talk about the defense after that game because uh, that was and, – and he did talk about Aaron Glenn after the game about how all options were on the table or something to that effect. And I think he realized – and you could kind of see it. Um, I, I, I wasn't there. I watched it like the rest of you all did. Uh, I watched it uh, on my phone. <laughs> I was uh, – at a basketball camp with my daughter. Uh, and my, t- my thought was he deliberately stopped talking down that line because he didn't want to say something that he would regret. And I yeah. think to your point, I think he also did that with golf a little bit like, yeah, dude, you can't make these mistakes, but at the same time, I'm not going to bury you for it because you, 
you're the FedEx player of the week. Like, <laughs> and you earned it. You deserved it. The, it the, you were without Amon Ross St. Brown. You're without DJ Shark. You're without um, DeAndre Swift. And you still put up 45 points. That's that's some damn good quarterbacking, man. <laughs> uh, the, the line, to the Lions credit, I thought did a very good job. I also thought he did a really good job, Goff did, of manipulating the pocket a little bit. And that's something that he didn't do last year. And this is something that um, yesterday when I was on the huge show, both Mark Schofield and Jeremy Reisman pointed out how well he's manipulating the pocket and moving around a little bit and much more confident in keeping his eyes down the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that, that I, I, I got to think today, um, let, let me pull it up. I'll, I'll let you talk about Goff for a second because I want to look something up because it was cool. And I don't know the exact thing and I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he he did look it out there, and he did play the pocket well. He moved well within the pocket, and uh, Balakrishnan, he's there. All right, we got him. Uh, and 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 I was I was super super impressed. I was super impressed. The guy has. They said he worked on it in the off season. We saw it. We talked about it in the preseason and in training camp. We saw something different in golf, and he was hitting his passes. Is he perfect? No. Does he have a lot less? interceptions than Matthew Stafford, who is, of course, the guy you have to compare him to because he's the guy who used to be here. Of course, yeah, he's got a way less interceptions than Matthew Stafford. He's got more yards than Matthew Stafford. And 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 I'll say, again, people, you don't want to compare, you don't want to compare. But by, you know, people say that, but by the same token, they're down on Goff a lot because he happens to be the guy after Matthew Stafford. No one wants to be the guy after Matthew Stafford. And uh, for the question, who's the main, who's to blame more for the defense AG or the front office? We'll get into the defense and how to fix it very shortly. Michael, thank you for the question. Right. So I found, I found the thing here. Um, it's from next gen stats and Goff threw an average air yard of 8.1 yards per completion and 10.4 yards per air attempt. That's roughly double each of what he did last year. And he did that without his top two wide receivers in the game. That's telling you that this is a different Jared Goff. This is a better Jared Goff. What did we? What did I whine about all last year? I'll put it on myself because I whined about it every freaking week. <laughs> take the take some shots. Don't just settle for the easiest thing that's that's in front of you. Like stretch, attack the defense a little bit. He's attacking and it's working. Just wait till Jameson Williams shows like up. That. Just wait till Jamison Williams shows up and gets that open, gets open deep. We're going to see some big time attacks on the defense. He's only going to improve what we see out there, and I am absolutely stoked. Um, one quick thing on that: they did not start his clock today to activate him. Um, Reisman said it yesterday when when I, when I had him on the huge show, and I've gotten confirmation from a couple other people. The target date for Jamo uh, when you'll see him is Buffalo on Thanksgiving. Yeah. That's uh, that's the earliest you will see him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 heard it from a couple of people that that's the, the target date that they've got in mind for. Him. So yeah. keep that in mind. I bet the clock starts earlier if we see um, even more injuries at that position, though. I, I, um, I just I very well could. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of of where Jerry's at. It's Amani's performance is what's bringing Jerry in uh, a little quicker than maybe they would have otherwise. Um, I think otherwise they would have been looking for an injury type of a situation to bring that forward but i think they the the they're being pressured there's some pressure to to make those moves so the seahawks game i want to talk about something the seahawks game that stunned everybody took them by surprise it was amazing nobody's talked about it since the jack fox beautiful throw to quintez cephas on the on the fake punt literally 
Nobody is talking about it because there was so much scoring in that game. That play again, again, the fake punt, it caught me completely by surprise. Completely by surprise. And I have to give this team a mega, mega credit because they pull that thing out at the right time every time. I think they're 100% on the, on the, on the fake punt, aren't they? They are, and I will give Jack Fox and Quintus Cephas credit. That was, the coverage was there. Like yeah. he, he actually had to like make a good throw, and, and Cephas had to go down and make a, a pretty difficult catch. They executed it a little. I mean, the, give the Seahawks special teams their their outside guy. He was right there, man. Like he sniffed it out, and they still executed it. That was. That was sweet. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was great. And like I said, no one's talking about it. And Foxy needs some credit. Cephas deserves a little credit for the catch too. Let's let's give him give him their due because it might, it might be the last we see of him. Unfortunately, yeah. um, he's uh, he hurt his foot. He keeps getting hurt. He uh, doesn't doesn't look good for this week from everything I heard. Uh, again, I, I'm not in Allen Park. I'm, I've been at home today, but. Uh, didn't hear good things about what's going on with Cephas for uh, the next few weeks. Yep. Yep. Unfortunately. All right. So that's it. Um, look, everybody's talked about it. It was the highest scoring game in history. No, it wasn't. But it, it seemed like it. <laughs> There's so many points scored. And, you know, no matter who loses that game, you're, 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 you're just, yeah, you can't win if you let that many points scored. Either team could say that. Either team could say that. And, and I said it on, on Huge with you yesterday. That game just reminded me so much of the Matt Flynn Green Bay Packers yeah. game because nobody could stop anybody. It was like a gas pump watching the scoreboard go up. Ding, 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 ding. It was crazy. It's crazy. It, and and it wasn't like like there was even a threat to stop them really. Uh, I, I mean, they, they kicked a couple field goals, but well, that's and that's a stop. Them. That's a stop, right? I mean, that let's everyone said they didn't stop them. No, they didn't punt. They never punted, but we did force them to kick two field goals. So let's let's we did stop them. And yeah. the third stop, they missed one. The one thing, <laughs> the thing that people aren't talking about with the with the picked up flag on the third down one, right? Um, I watched that. I said the clock is wrong. The clock is absolutely wrong. There's no way they're at the line with 25 seconds left in the play clock. The thing is, though, nobody got hurt by that. Right. Nobody got hurt by that. And they and they snapped the ball. And then the, it's like, what time out? Time. That was one of the ones. It was it was ass officiating, terribly officiated. Um, but it was it was a clock issue. It was obvious, and nobody saw it until you know that happened. You talk about the flag at the end as well. You had seen something like that. the The joke was they threw the flag in case the Lions recovered. But didn't you say in the Slack that you had seen something on that? Yeah. So so I did the film review this morning and I watched it, and it was very clearly when you throw a penalty flag. You're throwing it like this when you're throwing your beanbag to mark a fumble and there was a fumble on the play. You throw it like this and, and throw it in right where it's Can at. Do that move one more and time? that was the mechanism. And there was indeed a fumble on it. So it was like the side judge grabbed the wrong pocket and threw it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't explain it. But that because it wasn't it wasn't thrown when you would throw it for either offsides or an illegal touch. And and that I think that's what confused people uh, because they they threw the flag like way after, and and I have to I have to just assume that uh, it was it was a, meant to be a beanbag for for uh, marking the spot of the fumble, the, which the, is a look. I'm, I'm not going to kill him for doing that. That shouldn't happen. Shouldn't ever happen. You should let us know that that it did happen if it if that is in fact what happened. But 
Yeah, it's just it, 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 uh, so. Let's go back to the the. Let the me, let me just, thing. Let me just so really I was quick, in the really car quick, at I wanna, that point. I want to go on that because it wouldn't have been a big deal if it wasn't the fifth time that it happened in the game. Right, five right. picked up exactly. flags, especially for a team like the Lions who got hosed in Dallas with a picked up flag. The one in that game, right? To have five, it's amateur hour. It's amateur hour by those officials that was this was one of the i mean i've seen poor officiating where they make calls miss calls but from a dropping the flag perspective it was terrible it they it's I, I compared it in the, in the post-game show of the, remember the offensive pass interference on Eric Ebron uh, against the Titans that he didn't, he never did anything. And I asked, I asked Blandino about that. How do you throw a flag for something that didn't happen? Like you didn't see a foul. How can you throw a flag for that? That's crazy that an official will throw a flag for something they didn't see. And that's that to me, it, it drives me nuts. That's one of the things. That drive, so now they throw a flag and it's like, well, I thought I saw something. Whoa, 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 whoa. Right there, there's there's enough with the subjective calls. Either you saw something and there is a flag, or you didn't. A mistake, a game. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll see that. But five, that's egregiously bad, and that's and, I've said this, and I'll I'll, I'll I'll let you go after this. Sorry, um, I'm doing a cat Kanye here, <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, the, the the I lost my thought. Go ahead. <laughs> So I was in the car for the first two or three drives of the third quarter, and I actually got to where I was going, um, MSA Woodland, for those of you in the Grand Rapids area. Um, and I listened to Dan and and and, uh, and Lomas. And this is when I tweeted out that Dan said, I don't think the officials have any idea what's going on. That's an exact quote. And it was because he was exasperated because nobody was telling anybody anything. And like, like my thing with officiating – and, and I am going to be an official once my kids are done playing school. That, that's going to be my job. I'm going to, I'm going to go do that because I, I want to give back. And I also I kind of like it. I just do it. It's good money. Mm-hmm. Uh, makes, it, I will make more money doing that than I do what I do now, believe it or not. And I don't mind submit, like missing subjective calls. Like if, if you think that that's a pass interference and it's not like that's your that's your subjective. OK, you're going to you're going to get some of those wrong. You're going to have human errors on that. You can not mess up the mechanics of the game. You cannot mess up a ball spot. You cannot mess up the clock. You can't mess up the procedurals that go on for the game. That is officiating malpractice. And that's what we saw Sunday. And that can't happen. And where I was going to go, I remembered now you're 100 you're, you're, right. The thing that makes it worse right now is the gambling being part of, so much closer and part of the league. I love sports betting. I've got all kinds of money out in games already this year. In different, I, I enjoy the hell out of it. But the XFL, you owe me two hundred twenty bucks Sunday, Saturday. <laughs> the XFL has transparency in the booth for the replays. The XFL, Blandino did a great job. Remember with the with the XFL with the officiating and what they did. That's him with the blank slate being able to do that. That was really awesome. The NFL, especially when you get gambling in, you have to open up the, the you have to pull back the drapes on those on those calls. You have to open up those those officials to scrutiny. You have to let people in to see why and how those calls are being made because this is where, you know, it's it can go off the rails fast. It can go off the rails really, really fast. And I mean, look, I guess wrestling makes a lot of money, but I think if you turned NFL into WWE or whatever the latest one is, you're going to have a hard time making the money you're making today. Yeah, and it was a discussion that we had in the Slack this morning. Um, Greg, 
uh, was involved in a couple other guys were involved in it. And I, I think they're exactly right. Um, Greg, you said it though. They have to have open mics for those. Um, I, my suggestion was that you don't necessarily have to like, let the, the people hear it, but you have it recorded so you can listen to it after the game may have you. So I don't know if you all know this after every game, there's an official that's made available for a pool reporter from each team. And they go in and it's usually only two or three questions. Um, in Detroit, it's usually Justin Rogers. Uh, I don't think it was this week, actually, but it was, uh, I don't even remember who it was, but, uh, and they're, they're allowed to ask two or three questions very specifically only about specific incidents that happened in that game. And Clay Martin, who was the, the referee for that game. Uh, and it's just, I think it's his fifth year as a, as a referee. Didn't explain it well. He, he was asked about the, the clock mechanism thing, and he didn't really explain it. So I actually listened to Sirius XM NFL radio yesterday when I was driving into the huge show, and Dean Blandino was on, and Dean talked about it. And Dean said the problem was was that the official or the referee did not acknowledge the back judge, who's the guy who's doing this with the clock. That means go with the clock. And the referee has to, like, approve that, and that's that's when you see the – that, that and the, for those of you who are doing the audio version at home, you'll just have to imagine what I'm doing. But <laughs> for those on the YouTube, you see it's what I'm doing. It's the signal to, to wind the clock. And the clock didn't wait for the referee to do that. They just went on this was what Dean said. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take his word for it because I did watch it. I watched the broadcast feed of it last night and again this morning when I was doing the, the, the film review. And it was wrong. Uh, you, you're right, man. The the, uh, the whole thing was just screwy. It was yeah. weird. It's just weird. Um, and the fact that it was another picked up flag. Uh, I mean, <sighs> reflects poorly on the. NFL. It's not. It's not blaming the officials for a loss. It's blaming them for not doing their jobs well. Yes, that's a difference. Yep, and that's that's like the 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 tweet that I made about about this. You know, you can't tell me that they're not affecting the game. They do affect the game. Did they cause the loss? No, I didn't say that. But all kinds of people put those words in the tweet. They wrote the tweets where they didn't exist, but or the words where they didn't exist. But whatever. So that was the Seahawks game. It was for those who like offense. It was a great game to watch. For those who like the Lions, it was a frustrating game to watch. But if you like the Lions in offense, it was a frustratingly great game to watch. Uh, you like TJ Hawkinson, it was the game for you. 179 <laughs> yards, brother. And I I have him in fantasy and and I almost I was like 0.4 points away from 200 points this week in a, in a league that scores about 125 normally. Um 4-0 in the podcast league. Um and I have I have money on him for uh yards for the year. He's going to he's going to hit that as long as he doesn't get injured. Let's get into the defense. Let's talk about the defense cuz there's a lot of people Wait, with a lot of questions. To? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um uh, who, who's going to make a bigger impact when they return uh Pascal or Jacobs? We'll talk about that. I want to hit a couple questions that came in. We got them in the Slack and these are these are really good. First from William. Um after rewatching the Seattle game, I noticed the defensive line did not run many stunts, unlike what they did to Washington. Or is it my perspective? It sure seemed like Hutchinson sacks happened at when a de- 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 defensive line stunt or things like that. What do you all think? I think they need to be more creative with the pass rush. Absolutely. And uh, Chris and I thought we, so we don't normally like pre do shows because Chris, Chris knows that I'm at my best when I'm spontaneous, but we actually talked about this one. And I told him they missed the hell out of John Kaminsky. And, and he yeah. won't be back this week. He will be back after the bye. He had wrist surgery. It's a two- to four-week injury. He had it um, 
was it 11 days ago, I think, 10 days ago, something like that. I don't know. I'm not good at math. He'll be back after the bye, but he is the guy who's the facilitator for all that. He is the guy who can pin the tackle so Hutch can go around to the inside shoulder and attack there. And they missed that. Now, they they tried to do it some with Aleem McNeil, and Aleem, Aleem's better at doing it himself than he is at, at creating for others. Like, that, that facilitator role, one of the disappointing things for me, and we'll go a little bit broader here, that's what Michael Brockers was exceptional at as a Ram, setting up Aaron Donald. He was really freaking good at that. And he is a waste of a roster space at this point, and he's not doing any of that kind of stuff. And they need him to either start doing that or sit his ass and put somebody in who can. And I look, it sounds like they're activating Demetrius Taylor this week. Demetrius, yep. so I, I'm, I'm going to call him sawed off. I know the people call him Meech. He's sawed off to me. That's a perfect nickname for him. I love it. He <laughs> embraces that too, by the way. I think he can be a guy who is going to create opportunities for Hutch and for Charles Harris more because he can be disruptive on his own, but he also has the ability, like he can, okay, if, if I need to, like, I got to pin this guard so we can have a, a, a guy go, go from the, the tackle to the end of the tackle, or I can, I can hold it off. So Chris Boyd can blitz up the a gap with, without being encumbered. I, I think, I think Soldoff can do that better than what Aleem and Brockers have done. Uh, and then when Kaminsky comes back in, I think he's going to be really good at it. The other thing I'll say for Hutchinson this week, and I did a piece on Lionswire, please check it out. I, I went through and I did the whole thing where I, I chart every play, give him a plus when he has a good thing, a minus when he has a bad thing. He was very good when he attacked the left tackle, uh, Charles Cross, who was their first round pick. Their third round pick, Abe Lucas, is a damn near clone of Panay Stool and that Gave that gave Hutchinson a crap ton of trouble. Yeah, uh, and and it was a, a, I, I interacted with Beast on on Twitter today. I thought one of the things of it, Lucas like Sewell is at his best when he like even in pass protection he's firing out forward and being aggressive and proactive, and it catches the, the Hutchinson. His best thing is that he will anticipate moving. He like swan uses hands to get away from it. Uses body position. Uses quickness. That mitigates that, and he had he had a lot of trouble with that. Cross waits, and by waiting, it gives Touch enough time to get steam going or, or set up a spin mover thinking, and, and it worked a lot better. So that that was some of that. Um, I think they did ask him to do more individually to 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 Williams' point than or question than what he has in the past, and it didn't really work. But I will also say this: I also did charting for Julian Okwara on the game just out of my own personal curiosity. In 12 of the reps that I charted for him, he got 11 minuses. That means he clearly lost 11 out of the 12. He was awful, and you cannot get by when he's doing that badly. Charles Harris did not have a good game either, but Hutch, like, he can't be the only guy that's out there trying to produce, and he was Sunday. So I'm going to I'm gonna ease off of criticizing him too much. Um, he is not... He's not Von Miller yet. He's not Miles Garrett yet. I still think he can be. And he's shown a lot of good things, but people are looking way too hard to call him a boss already. Yeah. Man. It's, it's four games. Let me, let me just, you talked about how bad Aquara was, right? So bad. It was so bad. There were still two players in the defense ranked lower than Aquara on, by PFF. I didn't do PFF this week, so you'll have to enlighten me on that. Hughes 
<laughs> That's not a surprise. <laughs> and Aruwari. Yeah, well, Aruwari is the worst cornerback in the NFL, according to PFF, and that passes the sniff test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh, boy. Now, and Brandon here, you're absolutely right. One thing we know is they will make changes. They will not just talk about it. One of the questions we we were asked in uh, in the Sunday show and the postgame show, it came up to Dan Campbell today, and he answered it exactly like I did in, in the show. They asked him if he had the chutzpah or the, the guts to remove somebody like Aaron Glenn, who he has all the respect and a relationship with, and Absolutely, he would. They had to do it with Aaron Glenn, who he had very close relationship before, or not Aaron. Anthony Glenn, Lynn. Sorry, Anthony Lynn. Lynn. Anthony Lynn. It's, it's all these A's and uh, A Lynn. He had to do that last year, and um, he uh, he did it in a classy way. He let A Lynn leave with his his uh, his um, himself intact, his sense of self intact. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't fire him. Like they didn't yeah. send him packing. They didn't, didn't say anything him. bad about him. They just demoted him quietly. And took over and it got better. Yeah, they didn't frog march him. They just took care of it. He will take care of it. If this needs to be taken care of, Dan Campbell will take care of this in, in, in his own way and they will move on. This is, I'm not worried about the, the relationship getting in the way. So I don't think that that's where we're at, though. I don't think that's where we're at. Uh, I think that um, uh, Glenn and, and Campbell are going to work really hard. They're going to make some. They're going to assess the talent that they have, and they're going to try to make some changes in some ways, schematically, and how they use these guys to help them be better at what they did. And that's what they did with Washington with with Hutchinson. A lot of the alignments, and even in in, in week one, uh, a lot of the alignments were set so that Hutchinson could eat, so could really uh, have a good go. Unfortunately, Jalen Hurts is pretty friggin' mobile. Uh, Hutchinson was at his, you know, people forget about how close he was to Jalen Hurts. Are, they're still the only, are they the only undefeated team in the, in the NFL? They are. Yeah. They are. He was so close to sacking the most mobile quarterback, it seems like, right now in the league. Although, God, watching watching Mahomes this week was just incredible. But that, he's can not we, a Can we talk about that play for a second where yeah. he's running? And does, yeah. That was incredible. Yeah, yeah. Like, I want a quarterback who can do that. I don't. That that's that's just freaky shit, and that was amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. I, I the thing that that stunned me the most was not. I mean, I've seen him move and do some crazy things. The fact that he knew where the line of scrimmage was at that point, after all that, to throw the ball and not just run. I was. I, it stunned me. That's the thing that was like the exclamation point at the end of that one. Good. He's smart as hell, yeah. man. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, would bringing Indamakong Su or a space eating pass rushing DT help out Hutchinson? I think so. Potentially, but there's no way Sue's coming. We don't have the money. We don't have. Sue, Sue is not playing football. Uh, he likes being talked about as, oh, we can't get a Dominican Sue. And that's what he wants. He doesn't actually want to play. Yep. I've heard that from a couple of different teams. The Cleveland Browns have been after. They, they offered him. I can't, I can't say the exact amount. I do know how much it was. It's a lot more than you would think for a 30-something defensive tackle. He didn't want any part of it. Yep. And the, he would be. And in, uh, imagine playing between Genevieve and Clowney and Miles Garrett. If you're in Dominican Sue, I think that's pretty appealing. He didn't want anything to do with it. I don't think he wants to play. Yeah. That's that's my takeaway from it. Yep. Let me ask you, um, from a game management perspective, we went from last week to the week to this week against the Seahawks. Um, there was not a lot of complimentary things being said about Dan Campbell uh, after the Vikings game, deservedly so. 
How do you think he recovered in his game management against the Seahawks? Because, Frank, I'll I'll just put two points. Frankly, what a crazy game to try to manage, number one, with the way the offenses were running, the defenses weren't. And I have to give him all kinds of credit again on that that fake punt because that was brilliance, brilliance to me. Go ahead. He did, and I also thought his decisions on – not only when to go for two after the kicker, who's no longer employed, um, <laughs> screwed up the extra points. But I thought his play calls for the two-point conversion were very savvy at, at what would work against the Seahawks specifically. And that's part of game management, too. It's not just you know the, the, the clock management and the assessment of that, but understanding which sequence of plays to call and which play to pull out at which situation. I thought offensively it was fantastic this past week. And it, like there was a couple of shots, and then I tweeted about this early, where he's throw, where Goff is throwing a pass to five foot eight Khalif Raymond that he's normally throwing to six foot four DJ Shark. And that's why it was incomplete. It wasn't it wasn't a bad throw. It's just that you're you're cutting what what's that, seven inches? Yeah. Eight inches yeah. of height and length. Um, that, that that's a difficult adjustment, especially when you're not practicing all the week. Uh, and that's, you know, th- that, that happened. Uh, so I, I thought golf was great. And I thought that the game management, I thought the play calling, I'm going to Ben Johnson, obviously there's a great deal of credit for that as well. But I think Dan has, Dan does not call the plays, but he certainly has the power of suggestion and the, the overall like game plan control type thing. If he wants to throw it like, Hey, we're going to run this play now. Like Ben's not going to say no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that type of thing. And I, I thought it was much better offensively this week. Defensively. We just talked a little bit about how more vanilla they were, how they kept getting sucked by the run. And, and like a lot of the minuses that I gave Hutch were from getting sucked too far in and setting up an easy bootleg opportunity, whether Gino was going to run with it or throw it. Uh, I thought the linebackers were consistently in too far inside the tackle box to make an impact outside the tackle box. That was especially true of Rodrigo. He got pinned in by and and so this is Seattle winning the chess match. They they were playing chess and checkers, and we were playing like Othello or Risk or something. It just didn't work. And you saw it especially with the linebackers and with Deshaun Elliott, who was like he's a safety. He's playing linebacker more than he's playing safety a lot of the time. And again, they're getting too close to the line of scrimmage and too close together to make the impact. Like I didn't, I had no, I I legitimately had no clue who freaking Colby Parkinson was until he, he runs away from Rodrigo on a bootleg because Rodrigo sucked inside on the play action and and looking at Gino and staring at Gino and not seeing, Oh, the tight end with all the hair, he's running out over here. I gotta be over here. Like that, that's a rookie mistake, but it's not just Rodrigo. Like Anzalone got pinned in several times, Derek Barnes and the the little that he played did it. And, And, Julian Oquara, the one coverage rep he had, he literally ran the wrong way down the field. Like, <laughs> dude, how bad are you? Uh, so uh, there, there's schematic things that I think defensively, I would like to see Dan take a little bit more control of, and maybe that's one of the things that they're going to do because Aaron Glenn was outmatched this week, um, and that wasn't the first time. And maybe Dan's game management shifts more to the defensive side of the ball now that he trusts Ben to do a little bit more. That's I'm, I'm kind of freeform thinking there, but that's that's kind of what I'm hoping happens. Yeah, I think earlier one of the comments was was really 
well put in that you're in a rebuild. You're the number one offense while you're rebuilding. The number one offense after four games. After four With a games, reject quarterback and a lot of backups playing yeah, in a lot of spots. The number one <laughs> offense. Now, look, you've got work to do on defense. You've had some injuries. You've had, you have guys, you have guys that you, you think could play, but the injuries have just been terrible. You drafted, you know, Levi knowing he was injured, knowing he wasn't quite right. That's not working out, but you're still in a rebuild. And this is one of the things I thought about on Sunday. We, you know, you talked about six games. I think that was your peak for the year, wasn't it? Wasn't that your your top end for the team? Six or seven, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you figure a six win schedule. If they win against the Patriots, you got to win one every four games, basically. Wait, every three games, you got to win one. So you win one against the Patriots. You've got two wins in five games. That's good. Or if you if you have to wait till after the bye week, which would be painful for a whole number of other reasons, you got to beat the Cowboys. But you're still on track then to get your six win season, and that's you have to kind of think: Are we on track to meet what we thought? There was a lot of love that came out of uh, Hard Knocks. You talk about how Hard Knocks is for a national audience, but it is absolutely a hype builder for the local audience. Because one of the things, and, and this is kind of weird, but I heard uh, I've heard a lot of people say, "Hey, man, I really, really like you. It's you're, you're awesome." And it's like I don't know who, who you, you know. <laughs> Thanks, but I don't know. And people feel like they know you, right? But you're talking yeah. to like however many people are out there. You know, thousands of people listening, and it's it's the same kind of thing. You see these guys, you feel closer to them. You get to know who they are. You start to understand who the guys are that you like. Rodrigo won a lot of hearts and minds. It builds that hype, right? And you start to get your emotional mind ahead of your 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 logical mind. And you start realizing, well, maybe there's nine wins here. You know, there, there's a chance to eke into the playoffs. Once that happens, anything's on the table, right? And, and you just kind of get to that spot. And it's okay. It's okay. That's what being a fan is and what being a fan is all about. But... Don't don't get bent when you're you when they're when they're back to kind of on track for expectations. Look, if they're a four win team this year, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot that went wrong, and there's there's a whole lot of things to really start put, pulling apart. But right now, I think it's a little bit early for that. I think we're online for especially with the way the offense is performing. We're just going to win some games because of how they perform. If they can tweak up this defense a little bit. And they can uh, they can they can you know become a twenty fifth best defense. I think if they were like a twenty fifth best defense, that we would probably be an eight win team. I, I just I just I just see that out of them because the offense is just that good. If the offense continues to hit like that, um, it's, and they can, yeah, they it's can. a it's a key spot to work on. It's definitely um, definitely a tough spot. Yeah, for my my money, I I thought they would be two and two right now. I, I I said this yesterday on the huge show. I expected them to lose to Minnesota. I expected them to lose to Philadelphia. I expected them to beat Washington. Sunday was the first time that they hadn't done what I thought. I thought they would beat Seattle. Uh, just as a thing, I think they're going to beat. I think they're going to beat New England. I I think they match up well, even if Mac Jones somehow plays, and it sure sounds like he's not going to play. Like they're. Where New England wins is where the the Lions are good at defending, if they're good at defending anything. New England is not good at a lot of the things that the other teams have exploited the Lions' defense from doing. They're not fast. 
They're not multi-layered. That's just not what they are. I, I'm not even going to bring up the fat guy coaching them, but uh, they're <laughs> we'll get they to that. are they are not the team. They are not set up the way that the teams that have had success against the Lions are set up to do, mm-hmm. uh, especially if Bailey Zappi is their quarterback. That guy, look, I like Bailey Zappi. We we saw him yeah. in Mobile. He's smart as hell, yep. and he's not going to make bad decisions, but he does not have a great arm. It's average, and he is going to get flummoxed by pressure a little bit. He's small. He's not going to be able – he's going to get a couple of passes batted down. They don't have the offensive line that can make him feel comfortable at doing what he did at Western Kentucky and Houston Baptist before that. They just don't have that. Uh, if they're going to try to run between the tackles, that's actually where the lines are fairly good on defense. Like they're pretty good at snuffing out the inside between the tackles runs. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, that's actually where Alex Anceloni has been fairly good this year. Ali McNeil's been really good at that when they've when they've had chances to make stops there. You've seen the the third layer guys, you know, Deshaun Elliott crashing in. Kirby Joseph had a, a nice tackle of, of Rashad Penny, one of the few times they, they got one on him last Sunday, but on an inside run. That's what Ramondre Stevenson does. He's an inside to outside. It's like Jamal Williams. Jamal loves to start in between the tackles and then get outside if he has to. Yeah. And he's doing a great job at that, by the way. That's they. The Lions see these things in practice. They don't see Jalen Hurts in practice. They don't see. Um, they don't see Justin Jefferson in practice all the time. They just don't have those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And they've done a pretty good job against that type of thing that, that New England does. So I'm hopeful that even. With the same sort of personnel, I do think we're going to see some personnel changes, but I, I, I like their chances of doing this. And that's why I'm not frustrated that they're one and three. They got a shot to be two and three at the break. Great. That's where I had them. I'm good yeah. with that. So I think about this is it, it's interesting. Um, I we, You talked a little bit about uh, Ben Johnson doing play calls and so on. And and I don't disagree that, that you know, he's, he's done well. I have a feeling you're going to see less Dan Campbell in that space. And it's going to get very much released to Ben Johnson. And Dan's going to go spend his time more with the defensive side with AG. And the one thing people don't give Dan credit for is his X's and O's intelligence about the game he is a super super bright guy about the the intricacies of football his as he calls it fbi is through the roof and i think he's going to be able to do a good job helping ag and working with ag on that defense i think again uh, to the servant leadership model to the way you want to lead and work with people don't limit yourself in, in in the knowledge that you use, right? You don't just leave him out on an island. Think about it. Work as a team. Be, give him other ideas. Help him do his thing. Ben Johnson is kind of that bird that's now ready to be released, right? He's ready to go be free and, and not at another team, wings. not another team, but on his own and and, and and run that defense without kind of that, if you will, oversight or that 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 kind of uh, coordination with with Coach Campbell. I think Campbell's going to step over. I think he gave AG that space because AG has the experience. AG has more time. AG has more um, uh, road under his wheels in that role. And he said, I've got to focus on the offense. And last year, there's no question. The offense is where you would want coach to have spent his time. He's been very successful there. I see no reason why coach Campbell can't do the same on the defensive side of the ball with AG. And if there's changes that have to be made, he'll make them. But I think when he spends his time over there, you're going to see some 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 improvements you're going to see what we want out of the defense now we also want to see ben johnson be able to continue to 
push that number one. I'm okay with the number four on offense in the league at this point. We can we can re- regress a little bit, but we you want to see that high performing offense still still out there while Campbell helps work with the defense because if he has to be on one or the other in order for it to perform, it's just not working. There's there, there you then have serious problems and you need to do some coaching That's, replacements. He he is, and this is something um, he is the head coach of the entire football team. And this is one of the follies that people run into and like, oh, this guy's a fantastic offensive quarter. He'll make a great head coach. Different job. And I think Dan has a very good understanding of the differentiation between being a coordinator and being a manager of the coordinators. And right now, his defensive coordinator needs the management more than his offensive coordinator does. I think you're exactly right, Chris. And, and the other thing, do Staley as the assistant head coach. They they legitimately give him a lot to do. They want him to become a head coach. This goes back to your servant leadership piece. He will be a head coach before AG is because one of the things they're they're grooming to that. The other thing, he can step in and take over that sort of like okay, we need we need like we can't let Ben just like run free. Like we got to keep a little bit of a leash on him. Deuce can hold that leash for a little bit too. Yeah. And exactly. that that's exactly. something where Dan then can focus on. It's not like what we had. I've never forgotten this. You went to a Lions game when Matt Patricia was the coach and you talked about how he legitimately did not watch the offense when they were on the field. Yeah. He stood on the sideline and he talked to his defense. Mm-hmm. That's why he's a rotten head coach. Because he didn't understand the other half of the football, and that's where the, the side of the ball he's running now. That's not uh, why. That's just reason, optimistic about that, it. That's just reason two hundred and seventy four. That, that's not Dan. <laughs> that's just reason two seventy four is why he's a bad head coach. That's not the reason. <laughs> so yeah, no, I you're you're right. You're right. He he reverted to what he knew, and I think that's why uh, Matt Patricia's running the offense in uh, in. New, uh, New England right now because he needs the exposure and I think they want to give him that exposure because his career's got to go somewhere after Belichick goes he's 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 a flaming turd nobody's going to want him he's got to re- find some uh, redemption and he's going to do it by learning the other side of the ball he you know the thing about him and this is I mean it's easy to to hammer on him and he, it's not that he doesn't deserve it for what he did Ooh. here in Detroit but he could very well go somewhere else and be a great head coach with what he learned with his failures here. And I don't know. I would guess that probably 25% of the people, maybe 10% somewhere in there of the people watching this have been fired or laid off at some point in their life. And if you think, right, right. He was, he got the same thing. He didn't get the results. Maybe you weren't getting the results. Maybe it wasn't you. I guarantee it probably wasn't you. There's a whole lot of things, bad managers, bad situations. A lot of stuff leads into that. He wasn't good at it. He was overpromoted is what I think it was. And I think the biggest thing about Matt Patricia is he was trying to be what he thought a coach should be rather than be himself. And that's what hurt him the most. So he may well be okay eventually. I hope not. I hope every time we see him, we beat his ass. That's what I want because he ruined this team and broke my heart touch touch sandman in his fandom he can't be touched there that's a private place oh man so anyway matt patricia coming he's coming to town let's let's finish up right now eddie p really quick had a great question from slack as well on your three potential solutions piece that you wrote for lions wire i don't know if you guys seen it uh, lionswire.usatoday.com great place to go check out all the best lions reporting you need uh jeff writes there if you don't know he does more than write to um 
The Lions playing outside technique, forcing more things in the middle of the field. Do you think that's the reason for Amani Arowarie's struggles? Uh, he seems to thrive more as a boundary corner instead of chasing crossing routes. Eddie P, to you, Riz, from the Slack. That's a very good question, and it's a it's a question that I am glad that somebody asked because, yes, it does not play to Amani Arowarie's strengths. What we're talking about is, and, and if you read it, you know this, but if, for those of you who haven't read it yet, please go do read it. I, I, I generally, like, I don't, I don't just write for fun. I, I write to it, like educate people and inform people. Mm-hmm. Outside technique means that if you're, you're playing on the outside shoulder as a cornerback of the wide receiver, which means you are letting them run free inside rather than an inside technique, which means that you're forcing them outside. Generally when you play, Outside technique, it's to funnel people to the middle of the field where you're going to have safety help. It's a lot easier for the safeties. They don't have to cover over the top and deep outside. They can cover deep inside and and come up. It allows the linebackers to drop better. Now, none of that is happening in Detroit, and that's that's a separate issue. Uh, But that's one of the reasons why I want them to start stop playing outside technique. It's a much more difficult throw to throw the ball 25 yards down the field over Amani Arouarie when the receiver's pinned to the sideline than it is having your slowest cornerback, and he is he is butt slow this year. It's bad. Chasing Terry McLaurin across the field, chasing Justin, chasing Adam Thielen across the field, chasing Tyler Lockett across the field um, when, when they're getting a free run on the inside and your linebackers aren't smart enough to help or not rangy enough to help, and your safeties are preoccupied doing other things, doubling DK Metcalf, doubling Justin Jefferson, which I don't think they should be doing. I think they should let, let Hefe handle that, but that, that's, that's a different part. But, yes, I would love to see them stop giving the free releases inside. Every offense has destroyed this team with crossing routes. It started with the Colts in the preseason and the joint practices. Bro, that started, before, like, oh, that started with Caldwell. What are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah. You let those guys run across the field. And so it's an easy, like, look, I'm going to give Geno Smith. Geno Smith plays and he leads to the NFL in completion percentage. So it's not like it was just a fluke that he does against Detroit, but he's really good at hitting like a seven yard crosser. Mm -hmm. And the lions give that up because they want the guys to go to the middle of the field. I want them to stop that and to make them go outside and make those throws more difficult. Bailey's happy. He ain't making that throw. <laughs> Justin Fields, when they the eight to eleven times they let him throw a game, he ain't making that throw. <laughs> like the, the, it's it's set up better for them to do that, and it bothers me that they do it. Now you saw one time in the game where Okuda did try to play inside technique on DK, and DK throws to his chest and threw him to the ground, and they got a big play down the field, in part because the safety was late coming over as well. Mr. I'm Tracy. not just going to blame the, the corners on it, but yes, you're playing better. You're letting Amani Orowaye and Jeff Okuda, you're playing to what they do better by letting them play inside technique than outside technique. And it certainly helps Rodrigo and Anzalone in the middle of the field because they have guys running in front of them and behind them and they're distracted. And they don't know which guy to follow because all of them are open and it makes them paralysis by analysis. There's too much information for them to process. They're just not that guy. And the, stopping that is going to fundamentally alter the way that you have to play offense against the Detroit Lions. And that's what I want to see. That's that's preventative medicine. That's that's making the that's dictating things to the offense that you're not doing now. Maybe they will be over the top on the outside. 
good for them. We know that they can do it the other way. Let's make let's make them see that they can do that. Yeah. Prove it yeah. that you can do that. Yeah, for real. Hey, did you see the new Lions kicks that came out today? I did. Sweet um, they, they they sponsored material on Lions where I, I actually didn't write that. Yeah, no, no, that's yeah. the, the really really cool looking. I got mine ordered. They aren't going to last long. Already, my size is gone. 14s are gone. If you're 15, you need them. You can get them, but you can't get any bigger. 14s and 13s, I think, are gone, and then the smaller sizes are gone. So great Lions kicks, really really sweet. Go to fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. Fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. Check them out. Any of your Lions gear, jerseys, whatever. Go to fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. It'll throw you right to the site it'll give you a little cookie you won't even feel it <laughs> and it just tells them that you got there from us and they give us a little bit of a cut back from what they would normally <laughs> steal from you as profit so uh help support your best show your favorite show get yourself some sweet sneakers and go to fanatics at detroit lions podcast.com or a hutch jersey i uh looks like uh ryan and uh, a couple of the guys in the uh chat are really big hutch fans go ahead and get your jersey all right um we hit the a lot of them out there <laughs> yeah um, we hit the uh, recalibration of expectations. Let's talk about injury returns. We have a couple guys coming back, and one of whom is is our guy, right? He was he was there. He was at our he was at our, our party. If you didn't see it, if you weren't at the uh, the training camp party this year, uh, you can check out. Just search Jerry Jacobs on our on our. Um, on our channel and you'll see had a long interview with him. He showed up at the party, signed, took pictures with everybody, the whole thing. Um, great dude. He's his clock has started. He's 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 activated. He's practicing. He's in the building today. Riz, this is the medicine. This is what the doctor ordered. We talked a little bit about it. Him and Jeff Okuda are very, very close. They are very supportive of each other throughout the rehab process. Um, I don't want to say this is a good thing. OK, but. If you're going to get injured, if Okuda's going to get injured, it's actually helpful for him that Jerry got injured and, and kind of vice versa because they both went through it together. Jerry is a guy, and we've talked about this, he is a grinder. Uh, if you want to know what a tough life is and what it takes to be you know, a dedication to your craft, we, we talk about it. He didn't have a dad. His mother passed when he was 11. He was raised by his sister, lived in a bad neighborhood, got in some trouble, wrecked his, his ability to go to a, a, a Division One school, played in JUCO, um, balled out uh, national championship, got picked up by Arkansas State. They just killed it. They loved him, went to Arkansas COVID year, got an injury. He got some bad advice, took the COVID uh, exemption, got out, and it ruined his draft chances. That's how he wound up in Detroit. And... Um, very interesting. Tough way to go. This guy, two two steps forward, one step back, never has given up. You'll see it in his, in his Insta. You'll see it on his Twitter. He's a guy that has a sack about, he needs two wheelbarrows, one for each nut to, to push his way through town because this guy does not give up on anything. And um, that kind of grind and that kind of soul, he brought that. He brought that. that helped, that's helped Jeff. They've been, they became very close, lived together for a while, the whole thing. These two guys together, I think, on the field, the communication, the bro- the camaraderie, the brotherhood they have, it's it's going to translate onto the field. And if we can get those two guys on the outside together, I just I think this is going to be an incredible bit of medicine for this team at the cornerback in the CB one CB two position. I think this is going to be and they're in their complementary, right? Jerry's going to beat the shit out of a receiver. Put T- TK Metcalf out there. I I'll, I'd love to see that boxing match, right? Because Jerry, his four percent body fat, <laughs> he's he's not gonna he's not gonna get bullied. 
by Metcalf. He's not going to get bullied by anybody like that. And then you got a guy like Okuda who can just play and cover and, 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 and can get your speed. I mean, I love it. I love the pair of them out there because they give you all kinds of options. I do, too. And it's interesting because at the party, Jerry told us, you know, he was learning the slot. And it's pretty clear they need him more outside. Um, and that's that's going to come at Amadi's expense when you're the worst cornerback in the league uh, from from PFF. And, and, and we talked about it. The, it that that passes the eye test and the sniff test. Like <laughs> there, you can you can quibble with PFF some. Can't really argue with what they've come up with there. Like it, it, it's plainly obvious that he is not playing well. And if they have a replacement for him, let's see it. Uh, Justin Rogers actually brought up the potential for Will Harris to fill that role this week. I wouldn't mind that. I let's see what Will can do. But I do think that one of the things that you're going to see is Jerry taking Amani's spot on the outside. Probably not this week. I don't. I don't. You, you would know better than I would, Chris. But I don't think he's playing this week. I think you're going to see him after the bye, though, starting outside with Okuda. Yeah. And then you see, can Will Harris learn the slot well enough? Because Mike Hughes is also dog crap. Um, I, I used the line when I was in with Huge last week. Amani committed five penalties against Minnesota in part because he was close enough to touch the receivers. Mike Hughes ain't nowhere near the guy he's supposed to be covering. <laughs> That's not good either. Uh, they have Chase Lucas as a rookie. I don't want to. I don't want to say that he's not ready, but he's older than Jerry. He's older than Okuda. It's not like there's a lot of upside with him, and it's not coming yet i mean it's a seventh round pick so uh i i'm i'm a little surprised they haven't tried him yet because hughes has just been awful but he's not getting on the field man and that's i i it's not because they don't want him there he has to prove that he's and would represent an upgrade and he hasn't done that in practices as of yet maybe that'll change maybe they'll get desperate and just like change for change sakes which quite frankly i'm okay with but that's you're going to see some shakeups there. The uh, um, the other one that comes up, and and I got this question a couple of times yesterday from people that that um, tweeted at me. What's going on with Ife? And if he if he is converting from cornerback to safety, in part because he doesn't have the eyes and mind of a cornerback. He he is one of those guys where he he just doesn't have the instincts to it. It's very methodical. And he has, because he missed so much time this summer in the transition period, he doesn't have that for the safety yet either. I know they would love for him to step in and play as like, um, well, New England, New England will do it. They'll, they'll flex out a tight end and he would be the heavy nickel that comes in when you've got two tight ends in the game. It would have been, worked great against Philadelphia when they're they're running uh, Dallas Goddard out there. That that would be the guy that would match up with them instead of a linebacker or a smaller corner. Yep. They would love that. He ain't there yet. And a lot of that is injury related. He just hasn't had the reps to do that yet. That's another one. They're going to try to get him up to speed on that. And that's another defensive change that you could see over the bye week. Yep. Not to get completely off topic there. And I got to say, Brent, I, I got asked that a couple times yesterday, so I thought I'd answer it here. Before we get to to the other guy coming back, the other guy we want to talk about, uh, Brandon is like right on the sea of wavelength as I am. And it's somebody I wanted to talk about when we were talking about uh, fixing the D. Uh, Kirby Joseph had a bad play. Right, he, he and everyone has has seen the, yeah, the one you. play. Yeah. Well, he did, but overall, especially for a rookie stepping out, he's done a, a really 
a really good job. He's one of the top. He's he's second overall ranked by PFF on the defense. Kirby Joseph um, at all positions. Pretty crazy. He's he look for a rookie stepping in the way he did in into the role he has with the you know limited time he's had. I, I, I have some hope for this guy. I think Kirby's gonna, gonna gonna be able to grow into this position. Look, it's it's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt that Tracy's gone, right? But I'm so glad we got Kirby. I'm so glad we got Kirby out there because he, he's 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 not been an. He absolute learned what, what impressed me. He learned on the fly. He yep. was much better in the second half than he was in the first half. Now, did it did it get stops? No, it didn't. And and he's got to be better than what he was. Yep. But I, I did see progress because the first couple of drives, and, and we saw this, this you saw it, and we talked about it in training camp at the training camp party. Yep. He doesn't see it fast enough, doesn't anticipate it. It's like, it's like you know, he's reading, he's still reading the front page and, and they flipped the, the second page and, you know, he's trying to catch up and, you know, scramble and, oh crap, I, I went two pages too fast and now, now I'm out of position. Uh, he's getting a lot better at that. And he's a guy that he's got, the the range, the natural range and the physical ability to do a lot of what Tracy Walker does well. And I, I'm not like that. That was his first start. And it wasn't just the first, it was the first time he played defense in the NFL. I think considering that and considering the, the caliber of receivers that they brought in, I I thought he did. Okay. I'm, I'm, I think the, the arrows pointing up there. I'm, I'll be happy with that. I I, want to see more. I, he is a guy who needs to get his hands on the ball. That that's one of the reasons why they, why he appealed to them was that he is a guy as a former wide receiver who can make a play on the ball. He's got length. He's got short area quickness where he can you know he can make the play that um that Stafford got picked on the other night by uh, Hafanga. Mm-hmm. You know a guy who can you know oh I'm going to click and close and go get that ball. That's what that's what Kirby Joseph can do. He's not always going to make great tackles. That's just not what he does. Mm-hmm. But if he can make if he can get a turnover, this is something. They got to get a turnover. That's the stop. That's not only a stop. That's field position. It's is being able to convert your defense into offense, which is something that they haven't done very well. They have got to start getting some takeaways. And some of that comes from pressure up front, making quarterbacks make bad decisions. Some of it's just like, let's, let's anticipate the routes a little bit quicker. Let's have a little bit more cohesion. Like I understand that I'm playing next to, to, you know, to Deshaun Elliott and Deshaun's going to Deshaun. If you notice, if you watch the film, he runs forward for his first two or three steps on every play. And and this, this happened in Baltimore. So this way he didn't start in Baltimore because he runs forward and then he has to run turn turn back. And they haven't coached that. Out again. I'm, I'm a little mad at Brian Duker for not doing that yet, but you know, Duke's doing a pretty good job. So I'm not going to get on him for that, but there's, there are little things like that where they're learning to play and like, okay, I know that he's going to go here so I can cheat here a little bit. And maybe, maybe the quarterback won't see that. And maybe I'm a, a, a step and a half closer to that seam route to the tight end. And I get that play instead of having it just, just go over my fingers um, and, or over Rodrigo's fingers because he's not as fast or, or as tall. Let me, and those, those are the little things that you're going to see this team do going forward. At least I hope so. There are too many smart people in the building for them not to see it. When a jackass like me can see it sitting here in my office. <laughs> I got you. I got that one. Um, Don Burr experiences the best teacher. It just hurts sometimes. I want, I want to get to that really quick. Yeah. Here, Cause yeah, I want to translate. There's a word, there's hats, there's shirts, there's a whole thing, but people I think are, are, haven't, 
kind of put these things together. What what does grit mean? You know, we talked about Jerry and what got him there and how how he got to be, you know, bounce back, be ready to go, uh, do his thing, and what got him to where he is. And that was it was obviously grit. That was the never say die, never say no attitude. But there's something else. And this is, you know, Campbell alluded to it a little bit in today's presser. He he talked about the guys on the practice squad. He said, you're going to get a chance to play. We, You are guys we want. We will be playing you. And he talked about Skip, uh, how he's come in. He's talked about some of the other guys they've picked up and brought in, and they need to be ready to play because he understands that injuries are a part of the NFL. These guys in grit, you talk about this this experience being the best teacher and the, the pain that comes from it. That's 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 the grit. And that's the piece where he knows that he's got a young team. He knows a lot of these guys are going to play in their first year. Kirby Joseph is a great, great example of a guy that's playing. Jerry Jacobs is a great example. So you're going to go out there, and Jerry tells the story. He told it in our in our interview in, in the training camp party again, how he went out and he effed up the first game, and he got pulled. And he said, I will never do that again. I promise you, you give me another chance. He got his chance. He never did it again. He went out and he did a great job. What is grit? Grit is being able to learn from your mistakes, being open to the fact that you made a mistake, being open to coaching, being able to get better and 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 learn as you go and from that experience. Now, I'll, I'm not going to allude to getting burned, you know, the defense getting burned by the same play multiple times, but what we saw from these players, that's what that grit is, and that's what you expect. Um, the idea that we're going to be better in the second half of the season, absolutely. I think a lot of these guys are learning. Kirby Joseph is going to be a hell of a lot better player in the second half of the season. We're going to see why they picked up Kirby, and at the end of the season, we're going to be saying, you know what? This is pretty good. This is guy we're going to have a lot of hope for him next year. And we got trade. Okay, cool. We got some depth now. This is what they're talking about, and this is what's happening with this team. Injuries happen. They know it. They're using the practice squad as an extension of the roster. They Nobody ever thought like that five, six, seven years ago. It's not in the lion's land. It's not how they work. These are guys they want that they know they want to play and at positions where people get injured. Um, watch, watch, just watch these guys and you'll see the, the, the arc that these young guys are getting and this experience that they're getting. These, this defense, especially as the, the youth movement that's gone on last year and this year and the experience these guys are going to get, the dividends from this two years from now, three years from now are going to be crazy, are going to be crazy because you're going to see the and best of what these guys have to offer. We got to remember that they're young and that the and, and you, you brought it up yesterday. Like, I think we had a little bit spoiled that the defense did some things last year that I don't think we expected. Mm-hmm. And now they've fallen back a little bit. Well, some of that's injury related. Some of that is you do have a lot of new pieces in. you know, Rodrigo is a starting linebacker. He's a rookie. You've got a rookie starting at your left defensive end in Aiden Hutchinson. You've got, you know, Jeff Okuda's back out there. He didn't play last year um, other than like 40 plays. You know, you got Kirby Joseph in there. Deshaun Elliott wasn't on this team a year ago. Chris Board wasn't on this team a year ago. Uh, Julian Okora, for all intents and purposes, wasn't on this team a year ago. They're they're getting different pieces and in. And then there's a couple things that. First off, that's why it's so damn frustrating that Michael Brockers is playing as poorly as he is because they need that veteran guy to step up and do that, and he's not doing that. And the other thing is, you're right, man. The more that they play together, the more experience they get. Like, I've used the analogy before. This team does remind me of the of the Houston Texans when they started to get J.J. Watt and Brian Cushing and Glover Quinn and a lot of young talent, and they weren't great right away. 
but they grew up together. Mm-hmm. And that team won a couple of AFC Souths. They won a couple of playoff games. They were damn close to winning a couple more playoff games in some of those years. And one of those was when they had a quarterback to throw pick sixes all the freaking time. Like I saw that happen and I can see that potential. That's one of the reasons why I'm so bullish on this team because I, I've seen it before. Yeah. And one of the ways that they did it and, and GQ talked about this, we started getting turnovers, man. The one year they were minus 17, 31st in turnover differential. The next year they were plus 10. They were third in the league. And they went from, I think they were, I went from four and 12 to 11 and five, just doing that. Yep. The turnovers start coming. You're going to see this defense. I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to go 11 and five, 11 and six, but they're not going to be going four and 12 again. <laughs> look at, look at guys like skip. Look at Evan Brown on the other side of the ball. Look at these guys stepping up and, and playing a role that, that, you you had no. I remember last year is just terrified if anyone got injured on that offensive line, and now we're sitting here. We, we see Skip come in and just bullying Washington commodes down the field, just just killing it out there with the line of five. Great protection allows Goff the time he needs, and when he doesn't have it, he's been you know his work that he did in the off seasons working for 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 him. But this is. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. And this is where I, I go back to it. When you think grit, it's not just like I'm going to run into a wall or run through a wall. There's a lot to it that's that's beyond that. And that's what the, the culture is here and what they're building. And I think, you know, some things take time. And that's why you get a six-year contract. So, all right. Josh Pascal is coming back. Coming back from training camp i guess uh we <laughs> we haven't really seen a whole lot so i don't know how you say coming back but he is back from injury and we're going to see get to see what he has what do you expect from josh when he finally cracks the roster here he is the john kaminsky role and he and kaminsky are kind of the same kind of player uh they are size wise tweeners better suited to play outside than inside but their game style of play is better suited inside than outside They have found a way to make that work with John Kaminsky incredibly well in a way that Atlanta couldn't dream of doing. And I'm very pleased at how well they've done that. And so I think they're going to use him in that. They're going to look, he's a rookie. He, he was hurt at the end of last year as well. So he hasn't played football in a long time. So keep your expectations low, but 15 to 20 plays a game where he can come in and be the, the pin guy, be the facilitator guy, but also be a guy Okay, on, on this one, we're we're gonna go NASCAR package, and he's gonna line, and we're gonna have him line up like over the right tackle, and then Aiden Hutchins is gonna be standing up in a two point stance outside of him, and they're gonna have to shift the protection that way, and then he got Charles Harris on the other side looking like, oh, I can beat this, I can beat the right tackle over here, like I got this guy, <laughs> like that's the kind of impact that he has. He's really good at what he does. It's kind of limited, but man, he and Kaminsky. I think they complement each other. I think you're going to see them split that role of the fourth defensive lineman up front and as the, the end, but also a, a, guy, a, a guy who can slide in the tackle, but also play end. You're going to see a lot of – I'd love to see the two of those guys together with Hutchinson on the field uh, and, and then have, you know, a good run stuffer on the outside. Um, that, that's not Okora. It's not really Harris. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe put Kaminsky out there because he's, he's pretty good at that. But they're, they're going to be able to mix and match things there. He is a guy who's really good at, at staying off of blocks too. And that's going to help in the run defense. Specifically, guys 
when they're going against guys who are like the Jamal Williams, like the Ramondre Stevens that we're going to see this week, of guys who like to start inside and go outside, he's a guy who can crash from the outside before they get outside when they're trying to make that move and crash in from that. He was really good at that at Kentucky. I think that's where he's going to help a lot. All right, let me get one last thing here. Um, We talk about injuries. Let's talk about the turf. Um, Lions turf. I remember when they built Ford Field, it was heralded as the most cutting edge and safe and everything else. It was, it was. at the time. <laughs> it really yeah. was. And now we're getting the talk True. about turf being a problem. The other thing I want to get, but I want to take it beyond just the turf. It feels like, and I and, and I don't have the numbers. I haven't been able to get them. Riz, you may have these closer to the top of your mind because you're a human encyclopedia. Um, are the Lions outsized for injuries? Year over year here, it feels like the last couple years, injuries in the Lions have been more, at least in, from an impactful player perspective, the 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 guy the the guys that we really really are counting on. But the injuries have been. I mean, Matthew Stafford going down for a <laughs> a season, basically, right? I mean, just so many people out. Is it the turf? Is it we've changed strength and conditioning? They revamped the whole weight. What's going on? What is it about the Lions? And is it the Lions? That are fighting I think some of it, some of it's rate. bad luck. Some of it is that you draft players with a propensity for being hurt. Uh, that's certainly the case with DeAndre Swift um, and like Pascal coming back. Like he, this guy who missed a season of, of college football because he had cancer in his foot. Like I, 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 I'm not going to dog him for that, but it, it's reality. You drafted a guy in the second round, Levi Anzarike, who had a back injury that forced him out of the Senior Bowl in 2019. Yeah. Maybe think a little bit differently about where you're looking at that, you know, they, they, uh, or, or 2020 senior bowl, he played one, one rep in that, but he, he sat out that year, 2019, he had the back injury. Initially you're, you are drafting guys who, one of the things Brad Holmes is not afraid to take risks on injuries when he feels like it's value. And I disagree with that. I fundamentally disagree with that. I am very conservative when it comes to injuries. I would not have drafted Levi Anzarike, period. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have drafted him in the second round. Let me ask you They are playing. They're paying the price a little bit for that, but some of it is also like just stupid stuff. Like Achilles, they happen. Like they they do. And, And, you know, the more you play, the more risk you're going to be at having some of those injuries. And because they haven't had the depth, they've had to play yes. their, their main guys more. And let me ask That's you this part of it too, to that point, how many guys are because of the lack of depth and lack of kind of talent to behind these guys, how many guys are playing more hurt than they would otherwise and further. That's absolutely themselves? true. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happens. And I will say, as far as like more significant, like uh, Indianapolis Colts fans are not going to have any sympathy for you. They've, they've played without their best offensive player and their best defensive player most of the season. Jonathan Taylor is not going to play this week. They are getting Shaq Leonard back, uh, but he's not what he was. Yeah. Their offensive line is cheese because of all the injuries. And Quentin Nelson, by the way, is playing injured. They're not letting on too much by that, and you see it. Look at the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing without both of their starting offensive tackles, their starting quarterback, and two of their starting defensive linemen. They're making, they're getting by, they're getting done. They're three and one. Good for them. You know, th- there are ways you have to overcome the impactful injuries. The Lions have not been good at that. Uh, they somebody did a thing, and I forget where I saw it. They're second in terms of payroll impact that is currently injured. 
but that's you know some of that's just because there's you know freaky ways that, that those things happen uh, salary wise but in terms of like starter quality loss i think they're second or third in impact they might actually be first now but they were like going in the last week and that that is a real thing but that's it's it's not the training like I, I think people overestimate how much the training staff actually does for preventative medicine. Like they, they can do some things, but if your biceps going to tear, your biceps going to tear, man. Like if, if you're going to get like, like look what happened to um uh, the, the bad injury that happened. Uh, uh, Lewis scene yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. You can't prevent that injury. Like that's, that's just freaky shit happens on the football field. And sometimes it happens in clusters. Like that guy, he's he's trying to make a football play, and he, he, from what it sounds like, he almost lost his leg. Like they they were seriously considering like having to amputate his leg below the knee. Like that that's not something that a trainer can prevent. Injuries like 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 Matthew Stafford hitting his finger on a helmet. You can't prevent that. You can't prevent him breaking his back. You can't prevent Frank Ragnow's toe from like he's trying to make a step and somebody steps on it and it, it gets a weird angle and it just it rips yeah. like Jonah Jackson getting his finger caught between um, it was bad. Brockers. Actually, I, I learned he got he got his finger stuck between the helmet and the shoulder pad and Brockers like pulled away and it pulled his finger. It almost pulled his, it literally almost pulled his finger off. Like your trainer can't prevent that. Yep. Don't blame the training staff for the injuries that they can't prevent. And I think there's a lot of that going on. You really got to work on those index finger lifts. That's really the thing you need to do. Um, hey, really quick, before we get into the look ahead to the Patriots and our little diatribe about Matt, Patricia, um, we do it once a show. We appreciate when you do it. Please hit the like button. Please go ahead and pound that button for us and just give us a little help on the YouTube YouTube algorithm. Let some other people find us and spend some time with us. You're, you're here. It's free. It's easy. We appreciate when you do that. Also, the subscribe button is your best friend, just like me and Riz. We're your other best friends. Hit that subscribe button. You'll find all the great content that's coming up. We're going to have a lot of videos coming next week. We talked about it earlier. If you weren't here, uh, no podcast during the week. Next week, we're going to put some videos out because I have to travel, unfortunately, and I'm going to be just jammed up at work. So um, we're going to put some other kind of content out. You need to hit that subscribe button so you know when it hits the airwaves. Like, subscribe. Thank you for doing that and appreciate you guys uh, following along on the show with us. All right. Let's talk about the New England Patriots. Um I think, I mean, when every day when we do the show, I say, okay, any topics you, you, you absolutely want to cover, Riz. And the, the topic that he mentioned today, the third one, Riz, do you want to just read it straight out do, or do you want me to? <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> um, it's three words. One word's a single letter. Fuck Maddie P. <laughs> That's literally the topic. I called it look ahead to the New England Patriots. <laughs> we can do whatever. Graphic. <laughs> we can do whatever we want. All right, Riz, let's start off with this look at the Patriots. Patriots down to their third string, Bailey Zappi. You know, he's a guy that has some he has some potential. He he he, he actually played well against Green Bay. Yeah. Give him credit. He yeah. played well. That was and that was an interesting game because I did not expect Green Bay to score that low of a final score in that game. I was, well, they was have two rookie wide receivers who can't catch a cold. That's so true. that, that That's doesn't true. help them. That's true. But by the way, Christian Watson, 50% drop rate through the first four games. Talked about it. 50% talked about it in draft season. Everybody told me, Oh, you're there. Everybody no told way. Me oh, I'm yeah. nuts for bringing up his drop rate. No. It's worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no way, man. No oh. way, man. 
Thank you very right. much. All right. Okay, let's go. So we got we got, you know, Bailey Zappi, not bad. Not bad showing the first week. Um tends to happen. You you know, you'll either crash and burn as a backup quarterback or you'll come out strong. Cooper Rush came out strong. He maintained, interestingly enough. But usually there's a For him, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I'm a Cooper Rush fan. I yeah. like that guy. There's usually a crash back to earth though. And yeah. that's what I'm expecting from from Bailey here. There's a lot that he's going to be fed this week and have to digest as they move forward. Um, the defense is changing. The film on the defense is going to be different. I mean, Campbell recognized that on that play that they got they got burnt on on that run play that uh, Gino opted into. You know, you got Anzalone and um, Rodrigo way too far on one side, right? Just a misdirection run gone. Um, and 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 coach said, "Yep, they found it schematically. They they burnt us. It's on tape now. They can't do that anymore. They got to change that. So um, they they will." So there's not really a lot of tape exactly on what the what the scheme looks like. So there's some question marks there. Belichick knows what we do well, and he's going to scheme against that. He's going to prevent us from doing the things we do well. So we're good at stuffing the run at the middle. Don't know that he's going to run up the middle a whole lot. I imagine that that's not what he's going to do, and he's going to try to exploit us otherwise. And then when we try to adjust, <laughs> we're going to see it right up the gut. I mean, that's that's just the Belichick thing, right, Riz? At, uh, what Bill Belichick has always been good at, even back in the Cleveland days, when when my parents, as Browns fans, wanted him to die, they didn't. They just wanted him fired. They wanted him to die. Um, <laughs> he was really good at identifying what you do best and making you not do that. And he's he's done that for years and years and years. He was the mastermind behind Bill Parcells being able to do that with those Giants defenses. And uh, I've always said. Bill Parcells never had a winning record without Bill Belichick running his defense. Bill Belichick had a hell of a lot of success without Bill Parcells being over him. <laughs> so give that credit where it's due. Mm. <laughs> Parcells got a little lucky uh, late in his life with the, the Jets for a couple of years, but the the, the, the the talent was Belichick, and, and he is a mastermind. He's really good at that. What I think they're going to do, they're going to try to take that run away that Jamal Williams being able to get, they're going to, they're going to, it wouldn't surprise me if you see some, it won't be a six man front per se, but you're going to see they they, they signed Jamie Collins this week in part. So they don't have to play Jelani to buy as much, which is really freaking weird. And Collins probably has them, an extra grind. Like line up. They're going to have their linebackers like in those, in the gaps mm-hmm. And like, hey, try to run here, dude. Like, and and we'll stop you. And we want we want Jared Goff to beat us over the top, throwing to Tom Kennedy, and hopefully Almon Ra's back this week. That seems a little dicey. Um, Josh Reynolds, Spider of Death, whatever they want, Serpent of Death, whatever they want to call him, he can have a big game. I will say. They can play man on the outside pretty well in New England. They got a rookie mm-hmm. cornerback. They can do it. They got veterans that they understand those things very well. So it's going to be more difficult just in general for some of those routes to develop for Goff and for Reynolds and Shark and whoever is playing wide receiver on the outside. This when you think about, are pretty good at that. When you think about Belichick and and just the big brain, the galaxy brain he uses in the game, Jamie Collins is a obvious good pick for him knows the system knows who they are and is likely not happy with the lions has a little extra gas in the tank for that game it doesn't hasn't played doesn't done much he's got an opportunity the other thing is and this is what nobody's talking about do you remember how bad Anceloni was when collins was on the field is this the thing is this he's going to take away the Anceloni samson hair mojo is that what we're going to see 
even though it's on the other side of the field. <laughs> it could happen. Yeah, no, this is this is interesting. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an, it's it's gonna be a tough game. I I just think that the Lions' offense is going to out overpower that um, that uh, New England defense. I just I, I think that's just the way it's gonna play out. It's pro it's not gonna be a thirty point game. I'm, I'm I mean, if I were to put it together, I'm thinking like twenty four to eighteen, twenty four to to, to fourteen. I, I got twenty seven twenty three yeah. for my predicted final score. Yep. Teaser for the folks that, who read the real GM football meteorology. I wrote that one already. Twenty seven twenty three <laughs> Lions. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think they got this and I think this is the thing. Now here's the thing and I I mentioned this on on Sunday. I mentioned it yesterday on the huge. So I'm going to mention it again today, but only because I told Jerry. <laughs> I said, Jerry, you got to do this. And, I, and if he didn't, I didn't know if he remembered. Or he wasn't there, so I didn't know if he knew about it. But uh, Jim Schwartz being carried off the field by the Philadelphia Eagles after they beat Matt Patricia's Lions, right? I that it was embarrassing. It was frustrating as a Lions fan. It was humiliating. It was all those things. The only appropriate revenge is for the Lions to win and have Dan Campbell carried off the field against Matt Patricia again to even to right the ship, to put the balance so things sail smoothly again in this universe. Please, please. And like I said, I told Jerry, get in the locker room and tell everybody, if you guys pull this victory out, go carry Dan off the field. Patricia deserves it. And it's still soon enough that I think there's some guys that might do it, that just might do it. <laughs> it, it could uh, the, the one guy who i will say that who had the most beef with patricia who was still around is tracy walker he's unfortunately not going to play there is a weird amount of guys who are still around like like tom kennedy is still around uh deandre swift if he plays which seems extraordinarily unlikely but th- th- there are still some some guys around like most of the offensive line taylor decker who so we know Decker a little bit and we know that he's a guy that's not going to shy away from speaking what's on his mind. We've never really heard him talk about Patricia. And that's, that's one that I'm interested in seeing how he comes out and responds to this, because I will say one of the things that Matt Patricia did that was very well received by all the players and also by us was the whole black lives matter thing. And that was a very big thing for Taylor Decker and the social justice and Matt Patricia, to his credit, spearheaded that and rallied the team around it. And I thought it was very sincere for Matt Patricia, too. He wasn't just like being like that was important to him and it, and it showed. And that was a big thing for Decker. And I wonder how he's going to balance that. But there's there's a lot of guys who want back at this man. Yeah. There, there really are. Yeah, there's 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 some real yeah. skin in this game. And that's what's going to make it fun yeah. to watch. All right, Zeka, I hope I got that right. Thank you so much for the super chat. Over-unders on Hawkinson at 90 yards, Riz. Um, They're taking him away. He's he's not going to get – so that's funny. His first NFL game was 131 yards. He had not topped 100 yards again until last Sunday. He'd only topped 90 yards two other times. you got to take the under on that. I, I'd go – I, I would set the over under for him, honestly, at 67.5 and probably go on the under because, again, Belichick is really freaking good at taking away what you want to do. If you can beat him with your ancillary weapons, good for you. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's the way he looks at it. Yeah, um, I'm I'm taking the over because Amon Ra isn't there and Hawk eats when Amon Ra isn't there. 
Um, they've got their their corners in play. You've got Tom Kennedy, who's who's going to just demand coverage from the. <laughs> By the way, on the active roster now was yeah. signed. Yeah, good, uh, for, good for him. him. He, good just, he played him. other than not blocking on Hawkinson's fantastic run. He literally stood there and cheerleaded instead of blocking somebody, and that's why Hawkinson got tackled. <laughs> he was so happy beyond that play. Field. I thought Tom Kennedy played pretty well. <laughs> he was just so happy to have a first row, front row seat. <laughs> he was. He was. <laughs> He's like usually I'm like row ten. This is awesome. <laughs> So yeah, no, I I I, I take the over on Hawk. I, I I know he had a great week this week, um, and so you you want to play the tendency. Uh, but I just think with Amon Ra out until after the bye, I think Hawkinson is going to be a hot root guy, especially because you don't have Swift and because I hate to say it, Jamal has shown that he is unable to catch the ball very well. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I think Hawk is your hot root guy, so I think you're going to see some some um, some balls hit his hands. Jamal with the 30% drop rate, that's not good either. And I love Jamal, no. right? I, I say that through, uh, you know, when I say it because I love the guy, but it is it is the reality. It is the reality. So He's aware of it, too. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I mean, easy does it. Lions have too many weapons to worry about what Belichick's going to do. Without the injuries, I would, I would unbridled ride that and say absolutely. With the injuries, I'm just a little bit more concerned, but again, Goff's been looking great out there, so he may be able to be the the X factor in that to make that kind of a difference. All right. We do have a new kicker. Um, Austin Seibert may or may not be back, but we have Michael Badgley. They signed him to the practice squad today. He was the Bears kicker last week, 4-4 on field goals. Um, Didn't get a chance to make his extra point because – well, they didn't score a touchdown. (laughs) (laughs) Justin Fields. What is – he has – he has less completions than Cooper Cup has receptions, right? Yes. <laughs> That's great. That is awesome. Um, Amon Ra out confirmed. Uh, that is until Friday they, that they confirm it, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's out out. Um, I don't think they're going to rush him back. We'll see him after the bye in full good um, stead. With that, also don't forget about Scott Bischoff has a great, great game preview coming up. That's uh, every single Friday. He'll have that for us, and uh, he's the the production quality continues to go up. A little foot in the water, figure some things out, getting better and better. We will also begin releasing those game previews as mini podcasts as well. So if you only can catch the audio version, you'll be able to catch Scott audio only as well. And uh, there's they're great, they're illuminating, and they're a good little you know snack when you're looking for some other stuff. So good stuff from Scott Bischoff. Love having him on. He filled in on the on the post game show this week. was was great at that. He's also going to have game reviews. We'll do the we do the post game show which is the emotional in the moment, sometimes therapy, sometimes celebration. It's just the reaction to the game. And then he's going to have a more thoughtful X's and O's type of review that comes up. And he's got some other stuff in the in the, in the the works, too, that we're going to bring in some daily fantasy stuff to help you guys, some other really good stuff. We'll continue to create more content and build this out and kind of get the flow working. Um, but I can tell you, not that I want the season over, right? And not that it isn't going to be, it isn't going to be great content, but the – the plans we have for the draft this year and the coverage we're going to have for the draft is going to be second to none. It's going to be, you're, you're not going to get Lions coverage. that's better anywhere. I'm just saying it right now. I'm putting the freaking stake in the ground and calling it. So good stuff coming. Continue to get in and get to know the, the, the voices and the people of the, the podcast, because I think you're going to enjoy hearing the different uh, voices and the different thoughts and, and perspectives from different people rather than a kind of, um, 
you know, a Jim Jones kind of Kool-Aid cult. It's, it's, everyone's got different thoughts, different approaches and different uh, assessments and analysis. And I think it's Scott good. and I are already it's arguing good. about quarterbacks. It's great. <laughs> all right. All right. With that, we're going to call it a show. Thank you all for joining us. Don't forget the like button and subscribe. Thank you for doing that. Don't forget about some Patreon either. Patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast. You heard a couple uh, questions coming in the chat. You want to interact with Riz and I, Ash, Scott, case everybody is in there hanging out doing their thing uh get in there patreon.com slash detroit lions podcast you get to do a five dollar a month donation there and you'll get access to the slack and it is like i said some of the coolest people you know some some really really great um channels not just lion stuff all kinds of great stuff larry wilson thank you sir great job gentlemen thank you for that super chat really appreciate you love you for doing that you're you're awesome and i it really means a lot to, uh, to see those things also, follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast, DET Lions Podcast, and at Jeff Risden, as you see spelled below. Uh, DET Lions Podcast and at Jeff Risden. It's pants free all the time. It's where the parties are at. You guys know how to do the thing. Also, give us a call via Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us on the Lions line at 929 33 Lions, 929 335 4667. It is. A great place to leave a message. We'll get your show and your stuff on the air. Also, go to DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast. For what reason? Why would somebody do that? We can come into your ear holes automatically. That's the best place to get it. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time with the Detroit Lions Podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your Detroit Lions and the best Reddit connection. Thank you all for tuning in. Appreciate you all. <laughs> final seconds winding down and look at that how big is that chris and case out of time pack the bag start the plane this show is over you've had enough of that shit